Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The FT Britain's savers pile into property funds. Leading investors discuss the state of the market at a special FT event, and Islamic finance comes to the pensions industry. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's most downloaded podcast. I'm James Pickford, and I'll be giving you all the money news this week in downloadable form with my FT colleagues Joe Cumbo. Hello. And Emma Dunkley. Hello. Plus, we have a report from Jonathan Ely at the FT's annual Investor Roundtable. We start this week with further evidence of the apparently insatiable desire of UK investors to put their money into property. Individual savers poured nearly half a billion dollars into property funds in the month of May, according to figures released this week by the Investment Management Association. This was the highest level since December 2009, making property the best-selling investment sector after equities. At the same time, the residential property market has continued to grow at a frenetic pace. This is in spite of increasingly strident warnings from regulators and politicians in recent weeks that the current rate of growth is unsustainable. Nationwide, the mortgage lender this week said property prices nationally had surpassed their 2007 high, hitting an annual growth rate of 11.8% in the year to June. London had soared by 26% over the same period. But it's by no means clear that these two types of investment, residential homes and property funds, are interchangeable as asset classes. Property funds invest in commercial buildings, which are subject to very different market forces from residential, and present some specific and sobering risks to individual investors. Emma Dunkley has been looking into this increasingly popular asset class for FT money. Emma, what's the appeal of property funds for retail investors? Yes, so while interest rates have been anchored at record lows of 0.5% since March 2009, the levels of interest on cash and fixed income have been absolutely paltry. So as a result, investors and savers have been pushed further up the risk scale into other asset classes, mainly alternatives, in order to try and get higher returns. And one of the beneficiaries of this has been commercial property funds. Now, these funds tend to yield on average between 3 to 5% gross. 
So for the past few years, this has been a great way for investors to diversify their portfolios and get a higher level of income, as opposed to the very low rates they would have otherwise got on bonds and cash. But recently, with house prices and commercial property prices soaring and reaching all-time highs, yields have actually been compressed. So for many investors, this has been perhaps less of an income play and perhaps more about capital appreciation. In fact, think tank Capital Economics have forecast that capital value increases should go up by 9% this year, whereas rent rises mean that overall the total returns should hit around 15 to 16% this year, which is quite an attractive return. On top of this, investors could also look towards commercial property funds as a way to further diversify their portfolio because typical holdings consist of equity funds and bond funds. So having an alternative bucket within your portfolio is a nice way to spread your risk. Although investors should note that in many cases they might own a home, therefore they're essentially doubling up on their property exposure. Some advisors warn that investors aren't sufficiently aware of the particular risks involved in property funds over and above the one you just mentioned. What are these and do they pose a greater threat than those in any other asset classes? One of the risks, which is perhaps a theme of most other asset classes, is that the property market itself has actually come quite far this year. And many investors, as you said at the beginning, are now investing in property funds, which means in a sense they could be buying at the top of the market. So a risk here is that once an asset class becomes hot, so to speak, it might have run out of steam. And so investors could find that there's little room for upside and capital appreciation going on from here. If they pile in now, they could be buying high before the market goes down. But other risks that are particular to the property sector include liquidity issues. So it's very tough to sell property, especially in times of market stress and when there's a market sell-off. So this was evidenced in 2008 when there was the credit crunch and property prices were crashing. A lot of funds actually gated, which meant that investors were unable to access their money and take it out of the funds when they wanted and at the price that they wanted. So investors have to be aware that this is a significant risk, which might not be apparent at the present when the market is going upwards. But if there is market stress, this could be a big issue. And in fact, even recently, we've noticed one big case, the Brando Student Accommodation Fund, whereby investors have put in their money. But when they wanted to redeem last year, the fund was unable to sell off the student accommodation and therefore give investors back their money. The next option for this fund was to list on the stock exchange in order to raise new money, which they could give back to existing investors. However, this fell through. So once again, investors in this fund are now trapped, unable to access their money and get their capital back. And I think this really highlights the risk of some of the property funds out there. Now, at some point in the next year, interest rates are very likely to rise. Um, What will this do to property fund investments? The low interest rate environment has really made it beneficial for banks to lend out to the property sector at low rates. So this has really benefited the boom of the property market and the commercial property sector. However, as soon as this tightens and rate goes up, it will put a lot of pressure on the market. As soon as interest rates rise, the level of interest paid on other asset classes, such as cash and fixed income, suddenly become a bit more attractive And investors who are perhaps a bit more risk averse might be more inclined to switch out of property funds into these traditionally safer asset classes. This could see a lot of money come out of funds, which means, as discussed, 
if there's a run on some of these funds, it could be tough for the managers to sell off the property and meet the redemptions. Emma, thank you very much. For those thinking of investing in property funds, you can find the full story in FT Money. Still to come on the show, Sharia-compliant company pensions are appearing on the market, but they come with costs. First, though, we hand over to Jonathan Ely, FT Money Editor, who took part in the FT's annual roundtable of investors, money managers and our own newspaper columnists. Hello, I'm Jonathan and I'm here in the studio with James McIntosh, the FT's investment editor. Hello. Earlier this week, I was joined by Anne Richards of Aberdeen Asset Management, Richard Buxton of Old Mutual, Terry Smith of Fundsmith and Stephanie Flanders of JP Morgan Asset Management for a roundtable discussion about the issues facing investors. Also present in that debate was James McIntosh, the FT's investment editor, who joins me in the studio now. James, when we last held one of these discussions in January, you suggested buying bonds rather than equities, which at the time was quite a contrarian call. Since then, we've had a nice rally in bonds, but would you still buy them now? No. It was a short-term call based on the fact that everyone was uh, wildly over-optimistic at the start of the year about the US economy, US Treasury bonds and gilts at the same time. The 10-year had uh, sold off very heavily. Um, The yield had risen to 3%. Since then, that's gone into reverse. In fact, bonds have had one of their best first halves of a year on record, done stunningly well, and I would say um, there's much less value left there, and it's entirely plausible that they will sell off again. Um, doesn't mean that I would now be very bearish about bonds and be dumping them, but I'm certainly relatively cautious, and I wouldn't be buying these things to hold for 10 years, except as a, as a small part of a diversified portfolio. And what about shares? I hear a lot of people saying, well, they're looking very expensive now, especially in places like the US. Is that true? And is there anywhere in the world that's cheap? Well, US shares certainly do look expensive on virtually every measure. They have been more expensive in the past, which is part of the the bull case for them. The rest of the world doesn't look anything like as expensive. Emerging markets in particular look relatively cheap. The UK doesn't look wildly overpriced. That may be partly, of course, because the UK does have quite a lot of emerging market exposure um, on the stock market. But the emerging markets, as I say, don't look terribly expensive. But actually, when you drill down into it, a large part of the bargains in emerging markets are Russian oil and bank stocks and Chinese banks. As ever, when things are cheap, there's a reason. I would advise only a small allocation to such things, but they are priced to reflect quite a lot of risk, so there may be value to be found there. We haven't had a correction in uh, equity markets for some time, correction being a downward peak to trough movements of about 10%, I guess. In the UK, we haven't had that for over a year, and in the US for even longer. When you look ahead, is there anything that you think could be the catalyst for a pullback? Well, of course, the the beauty of the way markets work is that if you can see it coming, it's already priced in. It's the unknown unknowns that are the danger here. We simply don't know. I mean, geopolitics is an obvious one. But uh, when people fall back on geopolitics as their major risk ahead, that suggests that they're complacent about everything else. Markets climb a wall of worry. So when investors are worried, that's a good time to buy. At the moment, They're finding it hard to find things to worry about. Um, Certainly prices, most obviously in the credit markets, in in bonds and corporate bonds and junk bonds, as well as government bonds, don't reflect a whole lot of protection against things turning out worse in the future. And equities certainly don't look particularly cheap. 
they could get an awful lot more expensive from here. Of course, things could always carry on in the wrong direction for a while. But it's not obvious to me that there's a wall of worry to be climbed. Now, Iraq, of course, might go horribly wrong. But broadly speaking, measures such as uh, volatility, that's uh, a reflection of the cost of buying insurance against share prices falling using the options market. That's very cheap at the moment. It's very cheap to buy that protection. The message from markets is everything's awesome, as the Lego film has it. You could reasonably say that there isn't much of a wall of worry out there to climb, and that's a bit worrisome for me. So we should be worried about not being worried about things. Exactly. James McIntosh, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Jonathan. You can catch up with this provocative roundtable discussion in full in this week's cover feature. FT Money is part of the Weekend FT, which is on sale on both Saturday and Sunday, and you can read online at any time, ft.com money. The Weekend FT is also available on mobile devices via a free web app in both Apple and Android versions. We're always keen to hear your views. You can leave comments on articles on our website at ft.com money, or you can email us directly. The address is money at ft.com. On to our final item for today. The City of London has been carving out a new role for itself in recent years as a centre for Islamic finance. So-called Sharia-compliant investment and savings products are those which conform to the principles of the Quran, which forbids the use of interest. Banks have created complex alternative tools that allow Muslim believers to use bonds or insurance without falling foul of religious precepts, as well as avoiding investment in alcohol, tobacco or weapons companies. David Cameron has said he wants London to be seen as the global partner of choice for Islamic finance, and with assets in the sector expected to reach $2 trillion this year, it's a prize worth winning. The UK is already the leading Western provider, according to the City UK, the, the finance sector lobby group, and the London Stock Exchange now lists 53 sukuk, or alternative investment bonds. This week, a new company pensions scheme for Muslim believers has joined these Sharia-compliant products, and its backers say it will allow them to save for retirement without threatening their religious principles. The launch of the Islamic Pension Trust is designed to appeal to Muslim workers who want to be automatically enrolled into company pensions, but it may cost its members more than they bargain for. Here to explain how it works is Joe Cumbo, the FT's pensions correspondent. Joe, what exactly does this new scheme enable Muslim believers to do? Well, it will enable them to uh, invest in a workplace pension without compromising their beliefs. Muslims cannot make money from money, take interest or pay interest. And they're also forbidden from investing in activities which are seen as immoral, such as gambling, drinking or weapons. Now, most workplace pension funds are designed for the masses and they invest in companies such as BAE and Diageo, who are FTSE 100 companies who make weapons and who make alcohol. So if an employer is undertaking their duty to automatically enrol all staff into a company pension, which they've been obliged to do since 2012, this presents dilemmas for any Muslim employee enrolled into these mainstream funds because it will conflict with their principles. But the new Islamic Pension Trust Fund, which has just been launched, has screened investments so they actually don't 
conflict with Sharia principles. These schemes, which will be available to employees to consider using in the workplace, will mean that Muslim employees can invest and continue to save for their retirement without compromising their faith. Now, uh, there appear to be questions over its costs. Uh, Can you tell us about that? Well, charges, pension charges, you would be aware, and if you've been reading the FT for the past few years, have become a real big issue. And Steve Webb, the Department of Work and Pensions, has just recently announced that they're going to put a cap on charges of 0.75%, so all the people being automatically enrolled into workplace pensions can get the most out of those contributions. But the charge for this fund is substantially higher than that 0.75% cap. It's coming in at 1.05%, which is nearly double what many savers are in effect paying today. The cap which is being introduced so that savers get to keep more of their money is not actually being applied to this scheme right now. But we are told that the backers and the providers of this Islamic fund are working to make that fund compliant by April next year when the charge actually has to come into effect. But just uh, bearing in mind, even small amounts can, over the course of a lifetime, make a big difference, can take tens of thousands of pounds off what you might end up with your retirement. Are there any cheaper alternatives for Islamic workers currently on the market? Firstly, if you're enrolled into a workplace company pension, it's not your choice. It's your employer who chooses the company pension scheme. So if they've chosen a scheme that doesn't have a Sharia fund in it, then you either say, I won't save into it and refuse the money that the employer is offering as the matching payment, or you go outside and set up your own personal pension. The National Employment Savers Trust, which is one of the biggest pension providers in the country at the moment for employers automatically enrolling staff, has got cheaper charges. In total, it's about 0.5% over the course of a lifetime, so it compares very favourably, but it will only work for you if your employer has chosen Nest as their workplace pension provider. How likely are companies to take up schemes like this? Well, it depends on demand. And if they have got a large percentage of Muslim employees, it makes sense to offer staff a fund that they can save into, which is compliant or won't compromise their faith. But in whole, there hasn't been a great demand for these compliant funds across workplaces in the country. Most employers are choosing the big funds such as LNG, Standard Life or Aviva, etc., which are, are based on price and they can get their charges down as low as they can for their employees down to 04 0.5%. If your employer has chosen Nest, you can uh, ask your employer and say, well, can I be switched into a Sharia compliant fund? But if your employer hasn't chosen a company that offers a Sharia fund, you're kind of stuck for the moment. Thanks very much, Joe. And if you want to know where to put your cash to work, there's always plenty of ideas in FT Money. Other highlights from this weekend's issue. HM Revenue and Customs gets tougher on what it deems to be tax avoidance schemes. How to go about investing the new £15,000 ISA allowance in investment trusts. And in the second part of our summer series on finance for the young, Katie Morley warns that young people face daunting hurdles in their ability to save for their financial future. We're always keen to hear from readers and listeners. If you want to let us know about a hot topic or share your thoughts, you can do so via Twitter. The handle is FT Money. 
online at ft.com slash money or via email. The address is money at ft.com. We'll be back next week, but for now, it's goodbye from me, Joe, Emma and James and Jonathan from The Roundtable. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.